Welcome to the Game Week 9 Net That Whole Compass show. Um, I'm Nima and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow fantasy football writer, Hibbo. How, how are you, Hibbo? Doing good, Nima. So I played my wild card this week. So Game Week 8 wild card. So we're going to look at it, I suppose, when we do our team reviews. And this week we're going to look at, I suppose, what kind of transfers we're going to make going towards Game Week 9. We're going to review the fixtures and the results from Game Week 8. We're going to look at your transfer trends and kind of hot topic questions going on the game week nine as well. That's the plan. Nice. So just before we get into it, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. So thanks for waiting, guys. Um, lots of new viewers tonight. And anyone who's listening on podcasts as well, please do hit that like button, hit subscribe. We're um, 29 subscribers away from 1,500. So I think for the Halloween stream, I may finally get to wear the Ali G outfit. So just get the word out, guys. 29 more subs. Um do you want to run through the mini league, Hibbo, before we um, get going? Yeah, so the mini league code is on the screen at the moment. So it's FG1XNB for anybody that wants to join. And first place in the mini league, so best of luck with this name for me anyway. So it's Timadeo Bancoli, and he's on 603 points with an OR. He's 24th in the world, so he's well in contention to kind of go deep and win on this thing. So just to let everybody know, the show is also available in an audio-only format. So wherever you get your pods, we're there. And if you pick us up on Apple, you can give us a five-star review on Apple, and it'd be very much appreciated because it helps boost the content a bit and gets us out there a bit more. For anybody that's watching the, the YouTube on VOD, you can pop any of your questions down in the comments and one of the team will kind of pick it up and leave you a reply before the deadline for game week nine. So nice. we're just going to run through, I think, just our teams now from game week eight and how we got on. And we'll start with you, Nima, because out of the two of you, it's your top banana, your top dog. So I, I'll go through my team. Yeah, I've had a three consecutive red arrows in a row now. So this is um, Gangsters Allardyce, my long team name for a few years now. Um, so I got 59 points all out and my OR is about 13k. I was 12k before the game week, so it's a pretty grey or red arrow. But So just for the podcast listeners, I have Sanchez in goal, Cancelo, Trent, White, Livramento. I have Salah captain, Ben Rama, Saka, Ronaldo, Antonio and Tony. And on the bench, I have Foster, Rudiger, Rafinha and Brownhill. So... I was 1K three weeks ago. I've dropped to 13K in that time. Um, it's not really great, but I'm I'm just kind of hanging in there and I'll take solace in that, I think. You must have thought that you had a Ben White assist. I saw it. And um, even in like match reports I read later, they were like, oh, Ben White's shot. And then, you know, um, Lacazette scored. And I, I watched it with my own eyes. I was with um, Az from Black Box, obviously. Well done on them winning uh, the FCA best... Uh, show so they were in our category and they won it so him and mark but um we were there with lynn and we were watching the game and i'm telling you ben white got the assist um but that aside the saka zero pointer that really hurt because i saw mason greenwood and when i saw greenwood score i was at an fpl meetup with uh, buna and i was absolutely fuming um he like was destroyed that your, the... was that your transfer this weekend saka for greenwood yeah, and Cancelo for um, sure. So I'm happy with that move at least. So I ended up net positive, I think. Maybe evens. <laughs> I think the Greenwood move, and I, and I, well, I think Ceylon Greenwood had met, obviously, and it's something we're going to touch on down the line. But, you know, he's obviously got more competition from Rashford now going forward. And United in attack, like, you know, well, United generally at the moment seem to be 
about a bomb scare, let's be honest. And the, there's there's talk I know the I know the board have come out and kind of publicly backed Ali and stuff like that. But the next run of fixtures are definitely difficult. So I can see why he did that. Now looking at your looking at your team now, I was kind of looking at your transfers. You've got one free transfer and you've got 1.5 million in the bank, but you've also got your wheelchair. So like do you have a rough idea in your head? I suppose to tell the viewers like where you want to go now with this team because I know you like to plan ahead. Do you have any idea of when you're going to use a wild card? And if not, what kind of transfer do you see yourself making as a booster game we play? Yeah, so I think for me, Ronaldo to Lukaku was kind of the shoe in for the captaincy, but mm-hmm. I am currently on my bus team on a side of captain. I've obviously not bought in Lukaku yet, so I'm going to wait to see. Um, I didn't like the quotes earlier today. I'll probably yeah. still buy him, like, I will probably still buy him, but. I may not captain him. I want him for future captaincies, um, at least for the next three or four weeks. And he could become Kane or help me find Sun later. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm not going to go for the Vardy. I'm not going to drop down in the price point. Um, I'm going to probably sell Ronaldo. Um, the other option is I could just roll. So I could play Ronaldo, save a free transfer for next week, and then have two free transfers. And I might get rid of Saka. So I already regret that and I might want to fix that. I was going to sell Ben Rama for Mobuemo in game week 10. So I've got like a kind of plan, I think. But anyway, in summary, the most likely thing I'll do is Ronaldo to Lukaku this week or save. And in the meantime, I've got a big benching headache between kind of Livramento, uh, Saka, M- uh, Ben Rama. One of those three is going to be benched. And at the moment, it's Livramento. That's actually I... another reason I don't want to do a transfer, by the way, because I feel like I already don't want to bench Livramento. And if I saw Ben Rama this week, then, you know... You're going to have to? Yeah, then I'm going to have to bench Livramento. So I'm like, uh-huh. at least this week, I could bench Ben Rama for Livramento if I want. Ben Rama's EO's dropped enough now. I've, I'll lose the profit I've gained, 0.3 million. He's gone up 0.6. I've had him since game week one. But I don't think I want to buy him back at any point. Whereas in Ta- Antonio, like, I'm not selling him because I don't want to rebuy at a steeper price later. See, see the points you're making there about Ben Rama and his price raise and like what you're going to be able to sell on that. Like I kind of, I kind of, I kind of idea I always have in my head in terms of like players that have rose in price. Like that is, would I buy him for the current sale price that I'm going to get in the market? And I don't think you would want going forward double West Ham. I know, I think you know that yourself because the fixtures do tighten a wee bit. And I do think Antonio's still a good option. We'll talk about him later on in the show. But if I'm looking at your team. In terms of kind of picking a wildcard team, a lot of those players I would have on, like Sanchez, Cancelo, Trent Alexander, Lovramento, Salah. I probably still would have Antonio on a wildcard team. Tony, Foster, Rudiger, Rafinha, and Brownhill. So you're not a million miles off where like I would be trying to get them myself on a wildcard. So you wildcarded this week, so it'll be interesting to see your team as well. Then I put me up there, and so we'll, we'll we'll talk we'll talk through mine here now. So. If you want to flick a wee slide deck on, so this this was basically my team for game week eight, my wildcard team. So there's parts here that I feel good about, and there's parts here that I don't feel as good about. So I'm just going to run through it from back to front for the benefit of the podcast listeners. So I had Ramsdale and Goal, Cancelo, Trent Alexander Arnold, Diaz, James, Lovramento, Foden, Buemo, Salah, Lukaku, Antonio, Foster, Rafinha, Armstrong, and Brownhill. Now, the majority of it, I think for me, and I know we spoke before we went on air, is that I was pretty keen on going for like Hungman Son on a wildcard team. And the whole news about kind of the fake, the false positive, or the, or the, the false positive test, I think it drove so many wildcard teams and they being the exact same this week. 
And for me, like I'm looking through my team again from back to front. I don't know how I feel about Ramsdale, if I'm being totally honest with you. You wrote the match last night. That goal, you can see the dead ward. I was maybe partially unsighted or whatever, but like things like that for me, could I don't know, could he drop out at some point? It wouldn't be ideal if he did. James doesn't play, which he was a punt and he was against all McKenna pre-season and me early season thinking that, look, I don't want the back players that have issues we like expected minutes. And I went for James as kind of a bit of cover because I have a certain amount of flexibility in this team because I nearly have like a 4-4-3. So somebody can always drop out. And I picked James because I thought, I'll chase the upside and if there's a chance that he could hit. And Chilwell did that this week. So it seems to be a Chelsea. Whoever's playing the left side gets in the box and gets the returns. And James gets camos, which is an ideal. Diaz, I couldn't have first seen him resting. Foden only got an assist, which is Foden and this team would be the slot for me, which would become, say, Hung Man Son, which would need a slight bit of surgery. Um, going forward, I think that my biggest issue for this week, because I've got one free transfer and I've got 0.1 million in the bank, is Adam Armstrong. And he was benched kind of out of the blue. We're going to touch on the fella that came in, uh, Brugia. He done very well. I would say there's a fair chance that Adam Armstrong maybe isn't going to come back on because Redmond and Brugia done well. And Che Adams is the come back on potentially under the side as well. So I think there's a chance that Armstrong could maybe sit out the next game. Now, where I'm at with this team, the chances are I'll save me transfer because I've got a certain amount of flexibility and that I can always bench a player because I nearly had an extra man. And it's kind of, I like the fact that I've built on this flexibility because it doesn't come up me and they thinking, oh, look, I have to make a transfer this week. Um, captaincy for the boss team, it's sitting on the Kiaku at the minute. I don't know how I feel about it. I think we'll talk about it as the night goes on. You're on mute at the minute, buddy. Yeah, there we go. That, that That's how I stopped myself from uh, talking about Ramsdale in your uh, little team review. I was like, I had to stop myself from cursing about the two goals conceded against Palace. Uh, it's also... Yeah, I wouldn't blame Ramsdale for them personally. I'd say Party messed up and then Lokonga messed up. It was just the most horrendous two individual errors I've seen. And it's so who lost? Who lost the ball in the middle of the park for the second goal? Was that Party? Lokonga, Lokonga. The first one was Party. Awful. And, got, and then he... Ben White and then Ben White kept running off him and didn't like try to close him down and showed him goal and he but also like... kind of obscured uh, Ramsdale's view. Lokonga, I'd be saying to him, son. Get on the wits because he just he just got through the side like a wee rag doll, and I think it was Connor Gallagher or somebody that stripped him on the ball. And you're thinking, at the same time, I think Ramsdale was partially unsighted, and I, you know they gave Edward a bit of credit. I thought he had it really well, and he maybe seen that Ramsdale's position wasn't great, and he just kind of put it high and hard on the roof and it. And I know Edward from Celtic, and I think he's a top player. Like you know, and he's he's done well since he's went to Palace. Like he hasn't always been starting every match. Like you know, he's he's, he's shown decent. But no, that's where I'm sitting on this. Armstrong's my main issue. I would like to save because like my targets going forward as Tony, obviously, I would like to kind of bring him back and I sold him this week. I, I, I bounced a few kind of alternate kind of wildcard options about we use and like everybody kind of seemed to agree that the Ramsdale, Foden, James one was the best and I'm now thinking that every other option was better than that because Aspilicueta would have been a wee bit more nailed. Tony would have been more uh, nailed than Armstrong. And I would have been in that position where I was packing players with higher expected minutes. I also had Sanchez, I think, instead of Ramsdale. So um, I don't really have Duffy anymore either. So you don't even have the Brighton coverage anymore. 
I don't have the Brighton coverage, but at the same time... the next time, two are bad. The next two are bad. The next two are bad. And we're, when we're looking at Brighton ownership and defensive ownership, I think it's cumulative, maybe upwards of 80% amongst when you combine all their players. And when you look at the next two, Man City and Liverpool, you have to be backing against them, I think, in those. So I'm kind of happy enough to take those guys on and hopefully Ramsdale on my gains because I can't be making goalkeeper transfers. It's just it's just against my religion, really. Like, you know, so... And uh, what do you think about Ben Foster then? Because um, he's playing Everton away next week and Sanchez is obviously playing uh, Man City. So I did toy with the idea of benching Sanchez. So I did for a while, but then I reverted with Sanchez in goal because it wouldn't shock me if it was that nil-nil or one-nil Man City and then like he gets loads of saves. I don't think I would ever play Ben Foster, no. <laughs> I actually think there's a fair chance that Ben Foster could lose his place, maybe. But, you know, it's new manager coming in, it's going to change things. But it looks for this to me, one game, though, if you, looked, if you were just playing uh, him ahead of as an upside-chasing moment, if Sanchez flopped and Watford somehow kept a clean sheet, imagine. There's 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 a bad merit on it, but at the same time, I think he could maybe back... Man City, they, they must fire as well and, and, and back the Brighton defence. They kind of hold up because they have been good. Um, Sanchez doesn't get save points, but he's going to get... If he doesn't get a save point against Man City, there's, there's something badly wrong. Like So, you know, if ever there's a game for Sanchez where he could make the saves and could also get the clean sheet, I think this Man City fixture is potentially up in the same... I think I've lost you there for a second. But um, I don't know. I, I think there's a fair chance a Bagman could come in. Yeah, no, I think there is. But obviously, the last game with the new manager, he did start. So that's a show of faith. And however, there's been some new reports coming out where the club are not happy that he's doing content. So they've been saying that Ben Foster should right. focus on football. So it's all a bit of an odd one. I don't know if you've seen that, Hibbo, that the club have been telling Ben Foster to focus on um, football, not content. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. But I saw that. I know that he's doing a lot of the cycling goalkeeper stuff on YouTube and stuff like that, so it doesn't surprise me that they've said that. Yeah, of course. So let's, um, I guess, reflect a bit more on Game Week 8 and look at moving our focus onto kind of some of the numbers produced by certain players in the games. So, Hibbo, if you can get the ball rolling with Saturday's early kickoff, um, it was Watford versus Liverpool. So if we just go into this Game Week review section of the show now, that's going to be a regular feature on the Compass show. Um, for the podcast listeners, so we have Firmino on the screen. He's obviously 8.8 million. Liverpool. Stats. Yeah, do you want to go through the stats and tell us about the game? Yeah, 100%. So it was 5-0 five, five, five to Liverpool. Um, three goals by Firmino, one by Mane, one by Salah. Assas, Salah, Milner, Firmino and Nico Williams. So Mo Salah was obviously the majority by captain on the week and he came up trumps. He set up Mane for the first half. And then he scored an exquisite goal himself in the second half. So he's at the minute we're seeing Moussa, he's really kind of kicked on the what people are calling this kind of world class level. Now he took five shots against Watford, four of them were inside the area, and three of them were on target. And he also played um, two key passes. Now, in terms of my graphic on the screen, I'm focusing on Roberto Firmino. So with, with Jad on the bench, Firmino hauled with a hat trick and he also produced an assist. So he, he produced some of the biggest numbers in the week. So Bobby had three shots in the box, all of them were on target. And he had an XG of 1.46. In addition, he created three chances. One of them was actually a big chance, and he had an XA of 0.72. Now, I think it's particularly interesting. I was 
DM and a guy on Twitter called Librero, and he, he likes to look at the kind of the tactical side of football and how it relates to the FPL. And he seemed to be of opinion, and it would be interested in your opinion on this. His opinion was that the team at the minute is set up to play with Jara as the striker, and that previously, whenever Firmino was on the team and he was playing as a false nine, he was always providing for those around him and he was kind of dropping deeper. Whereas now he seems to be playing slightly further forward because they've been set up in recent weeks for Jara. And I think that was a very interesting point when you see his numbers this week. Um, from a fantasy perspective, Ben Foster kept his place in goal. He picked up a save point, but I think there's doubt going forward about whether Ben Foster is going to be the goalkeeper because, you know, very heavy defeat. So in terms of Jurgen Klopp, has comment on Salah was that he feels at the minute that Mo Salah is the best player in the world. He feels that he's in very top shape. He's doing great. It was a top class performance and he just thinks absolutely unbelievable. So I think the big, big debate, and I kind of want to pull you on here anyway because I know you're on mute. The big debate heading on the game week nine is whether or not you're going to back kind of Mo Salah or are people going to go for Lukaku in terms of captaincy? So where do you stand on that? So I am currently on Salah but it's easy for me because I don't have Lukaku in my team just yet. I think I think it's a difficult one, like you know, because it's it's kind of the classic case of form against fixtures, and we're looking at the numbers. Of, I think there's a guy Andrew Goyer on Twitter, and he's saying that it's maybe Salah's kind of quickest start to the season or Premier League season. He's absolutely flying. I think he's in a rough more than a ten point average at the minute. He's hauling all the time, and you're looking at kind of. The comments, and we're going to touch on them from Tuchel about Lukaku. And in general, Chelsea's kind of attacks, it's not exactly firing on all cylinders. So I think there's definitely a case they just kind of stick with kind of Salah against United because United have been particularly poor in defence. I know what a lot of people will say. They'll say that we're being cute and when it comes to deadline, we'll have Lukaku as our captain. But I guess you already have Lukaku in your team as captain, as you said. It's me who's going for Salah. So let's see whether I bottle it or if i stick to salad oh 100 i like at the moment i do have the i do have the khaki locked in and i'm very much kind of fixture based when i look at kind of attacking the captaincy a wee button at the same time i'm thinking if everybody's going to kind of gravitate towards salad this week because of his recent form i think it does create an opportunity where we've been kind of targeting this week maybe a few weeks out to say look we're all going to have the khaki by the time he plays norwich at home and now you're maybe going to go on that I think I'm looking at his ownership and who the, the amount of percentage that are going to and a home fixture against Lille to be honest so um, just to touch on not the next slide but just to touch on the next fixture so it was Aston Villa against Wolves 3 2 Wolves and I'm just going to run through this fast so we had goals for Ings and McGinn Seis, Cody and Neves um Despite five goals, there wasn't much interest for fantasy managers. Jimenez was on the bench after returning from international duty with Mexico. They do have favourable fixtures up to game week 14, but Huang seemed to struggle without Jimenez. So it'll be interesting to see that whenever, whenever say, Jimenez comes back on the side, is Huang still going to be as much of a favourable pick? I can see people moving off Huang. They may be Tony if they've got the cash. In terms of the fixtures, follows fixtures ease out kind of later on in the season. And Matty Cash is kind of playing... More in a wing-back system than the right-hand side. So he could be somebody on note. But if you just want to move on to the next slide now, and we'll, we'll look at kind yeah, of I'll left. give a quick shout-out to the uh, haulers who are here already. Yeah, 100%. We got started so early with the show, so I'll just say hi to everyone. So we've got 
Ramanathan was first on this evening. We've got Mike Halpin as well. Nice to see you. Blue Danube guy. Uh, Podna was up. We've got Pras here as well, friend of the show. We've got Ozzy Sharks here from Down Under. We've gone live like an hour later just because of the UCL games. Um, we've got a couple more UK. Jones bloke, nice to see you. We've got Matt Clark asking about Broha. So I'm sure if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but we'll talk about him for sure. Fahim as well wants to know about Ben Rama. Nice to see you at FPL Fledgling. This one's for you, your good old friend. Um... Robert Oakey. Robert Oakey's taking a bit of stick on the internet about always hosting spaces and being in spaces. And you know what I say to Robert Oakey? Keep doing it, buddy. Because, no, like, he does a great job in spaces, and I think just keep at it. Like, Yeah, I think so. It's a good to see you. Quack, quack. And then FPL Penguin, nice to see you. We have um, Nehaus here as well. And just a couple more people got Hoder. I always get this one wrong. You got to message me often and tell me how I pronounce this, but Hodafi? Sounds about right. It sounds about right. Okay. Razek, evening, and obviously morning to Ozzy. So I'll I'll let you get into um, the next game then. So on the topic of Broha, as if by magic, you ask and you shall receive. Yeah, we skipped United, but we'll go back to United. So, Broha, this is this was Southampton against Leeds. So, Southampton won 1-0 against Leeds. Goals from Broha, assists from Redmond. So, firstly, Rafinha wasn't part of the squad. He was left out because he played and he took part in three internationals. He played 70 minutes in the third international, and then he flew back 15 hours. They also said he wasn't in the condition they play, so we left him out altogether. Leeds struggled in attack. Truth be told, without Rafinha, obviously, and without Patrick Bamford. So I'm an owner of Adam Armstrong, and I think we can be slightly concerned because Hassan Huthel seems to be, he's, he's continuing to mix it up a bit in attack. He does have options in terms of, like, you're talking about the likes of Redmond, you're talking about the likes of Che Adams. But Armando Broja, 5 million, he's kind of jumped off the page. So he replaced Armstrong in the starting 11 and he got the only goal of the game. He's an English-born Albanian international, which is a mouthful. He's currently unknown from Chelsea and he's produced some of the biggest numbers in the week. So he had five shots in the box. Three of them were on target. They produced an XG of 0.80. He created one chance and he had an expected assist of 0.19. And the game, there was a clean sheet as well for Tino Lavramento. So he's very much the budget fallback of choice because he's only blinked once in the last five game weeks. So if you don't have Lavramento, we'll use this old cliche. You're maybe not playing the game right. Get him on as your fat defender. Like, you know, and he's a fat defender that can sit there. You might not play him every week, but he's just going to kind of tick along and he's also going to pick up a bit of value. So the Saints sit fifth overall in the fixture ticker from game week nine to game week 14, and that's in Fantasy Football Hub. So it's going to be of interest for Lavramento and possibly Brugia, but... I don't really know if we can jump on him. He could be a bit of a flash in the pan. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, so this game was very interesting for me as a Livramento owner. Um, Rafinha's no-show got me the points, so I was very happy with that. I totally agree there. Um, I do feel Armstrong is, is a difficult one to stomach because I can see why it looked like the right move. They had a few good fixtures coming up in the short term, and kind of Tony had the bad fixtures. You already had Mabuemo, so I think, I think it's tough. I think at this stage... War Prowse being out, I actually think it's interesting how he's been out and it's coincided with Armstrong being out of the team. And I wonder if it's because they kind of preferred to play this guy, Bro- Broha, is it? Instead, because they wanted to make use of a different type of striker and maybe kind of Armstrong without that delivery from War Prowse was always going to kind of suffer creatively. 
So I don't know, what were your thoughts on that? I saw a thread on um, Twitter actually today. I was I was kind of going back and forward and having a bit of discussion with Tom Freeman, who's you might have met him at the FCAs. He's deputy editor of the Scout, and Tom also owns Adam Armstrong. So I was kind of asking Tom under his tweet, like, where, where what are you going to do with him? Like, where do you sit? And a guy shared a thread underneath where he says, well, he felt that Adam Armstrong was bought as a replacement, direct replacement, obviously for Ings, and that against Leeds. Hassenhuthel also dropped Ings and he felt it was because of Leeds' kind of energy and he wanted to kind of press him high up the pitch and he didn't really, he seemed to be the opinion that that wasn't Armstrong's game. So he wasn't completely unsure, he wasn't completely sure that it was going to be a case that Armstrong wasn't going to come back in. But I think whenever you're seeing the like a Broha doing his stuff, like where I'm sitting this week, I'm kind of sitting that I'm going to bench Armstrong if I'm being totally honest with you. I'm going to bank a transfer and I'm going to try and move towards moving him out. That's I know Burnley, I know Burnley at home is a good fixture, but like the numbers this guy put up in this week, could we be sure that he isn't going to go back in again? I would think he probably is going to start again, but as X minutes aren't going to be kind of high enough for anybody to be taking a punt on him, I think, and, and unless you knew he was he was going to be nailed, and Southampton are working off a of busy about four different strikers, so I don't really think we should be doing. It. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, we'll go back to the Leicester United game, the big game of the weekend. Um, it was very enjoyable watching that one live as well with uh, all the kind of fans. So yeah, so this, on the screen. Tell, so let's that, tell the podcast it says. So basically, it was Leicester 4, United 2. So goals from Greenwood and Rashford. And then Tillman, Soyuncu, Vardy and Daka. Assists for Fernandez, Lindelof, and Iacho and Perez got two as well. So look, just to talk about United briefly, they have an absolutely horrendous run of fixtures from game week 9. So they play Liverpool at home, Spurs away, Man City at home, Watford away, Chelsea away and Arsenal at home. So if you have any Man, Man United assets, selling them at the minute is going to be your top priority. Um, Ronaldo's going to head up the outlast. So is Bruno Fernandes. Because they're basically bottom of the hubs fixture ticker up until game week 14. Greenwood at 7.6 million. He scored a good goal on Saturday. But his minutes are going to be squeezed up now by Marcus Rashford. I know you sold him this week. I talk about the wild card. He scored with, after we both got rid of him. But I think it was a right decision to, to, to move him on, if I'm being totally honest with you. I always kind of planned in my head that I knew at this stage Rashford was going to be back and the minutes were going to be squeezed up. And at this stage, the fixtures were going to also turn. So there was two good reasons in my mind to sell Greenwood. It was kind of unfortunate that he scored. United are leaky at the back and it's kind of also adding a bit of encouragement to those that are planning to cap and sell in game week nine. So if we're looking at Vardy, he's blanked twice in his first eight game weeks of the season. And I know going into the season, Vardy's kind of player that we didn't give much of a chance, but I think a lot of that was kind of structure-based because you were talking about, say, like a premium striker and Salah, which it made it difficult then they also, say, have like a Vardy-type character, but just to touch on kind of Vardy's production in game week eight, he had two shots in the box, both of them were on target, in an XG of 0.35, and he created two chances, he also produced, and produced an XA of 0.17 in the process, so where I'm at with Vardy is this, I kind of think I could, in time, move away from like a kind of sell the Kaku two premium setup. They move on the nearly like a nearly like a three premium light where I would have like say Salah, Vardy, and Son as kind of my head because both these guys are around the kind of well ten point one and ten point six. They're a bit cheaper than say like I know we had like Ronaldo was kind of twelve point six going down to twelve point five, and I do think there's an argument and the kind of money you're saving off your premium to kind of beef up. 
Sunderland midfield for like I know I have like a, a, a like a midfielder like Foden. I think it would be nice to have somebody like Sunderland say like Vardy in the front line, and it's something I'm kind of considering going forward because his production is good. I think at the start of the season, a lot of the thinking was based around Ian Acho and the fact that Daka was also a presence. We were looking at Vardy's age and thinking, was he maybe going to get squeezed out of the pitch here? He's evergreen. He hasn't laid up. So, I, what like where would you stand on Vardy? Yeah, he's an interesting one because obviously Dredd, who we met up with, he did do the Ronaldo to Vardy move last he did, week. He did. He did. Yeah, uh, he was celebrating that goal like a madman in person. He almost flipped the whole table over in the sports bar. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, they, there was a few interesting moments. There was, um, yeah, it was it was good. But um, he he kind of said he's not going for Lukaku last week, and I did think it was right. a bit of a maverick move. And obviously, it's worked out so far for him, but. I do look at those fixtures and I do think he can kind of batter United maybe, but but if Leicester, I'm sorry, if he has batted, but going forwards, he can continue to batter the Leicester, the opponents he has, I think. And I do like him if he's part of like a freemium, but with Sun. So for me, I think my main issue is the Greenwood that you, you mentioned, you sold him. And obviously the problem is he dropped in price at the beginning of the international break. And I was going to send him for Foden and I ended up 0.1 million short. So that's why I went for Saka with the zero pointer. And then I kind of look at Foden and I look at what could have been for my short-term punt as like a sun placeholder. But let's see if Saka's even back. Because if he's injured, then I can start Livermento. So now I'm in that kind of position where I really do like my team. I, I think I will save that wild card because I, I can just in one or two moves get to the players everyone's going to have. What's the last available wicket you can play your wild card? From your first Well, look, I know you from Kina. January or whatever last season, and I'm going to say already, you only play your wild card in the last possible week. No, no, it won't be game week nineteen. It'll be earlier than that. It has to. Be. If I get to game week fourteen and I have the wild card team with free transfers again, that would be crazy. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm just going to run through just a couple of the matches. You can leave the graphic up. Just a few of the matches that I don't have a graphic for before we move on to the next one. So you're talking about Norwich and Brighton. So I think owners of Brighton defenders they they, they can bank themselves, count themselves lucky that they got a clean sheet. Um, and they're going to go on to now tough back to back games against Man City and Liverpool. So I know looking at live FPL current cumulative ownership of kind of Brighton defenses kind of upwards of eighty percent. And I think I'm happy to take that on, despite the fact that I've got Ramsdale. So on the match, they were kind of lucky. Sanchez must his clearance, and Sargent, all he had to do was steer at home. And I'm just going to try and be a bit comical, because there was about as much power in his shot as there was in a wet fart. Duffy cleared it off a line. Um, Brighton were kind of unlucky not to have a penalty, because Krull looked to have fouled Mopai. Lamptey's back. Potter says it's great to have him. It's great to have him back in the patch. Norwich produced consecutive shutouts. The Canaries have gone to a back three but at the same time I wouldn't get too excited about this because after all they are Norwich just to touch on Man City against Burnley again running through quickly so two goals to nil they won which is a bit of a change from the kind of historical 5-0 goals from Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne and assists from Foden Diaz Walker and Grealish Pep Roulette they all must out he rang the changes and I had a kickoff the Man City manager, he explained all the guys are training well and he selected the team like he does for every game and he gave John Stones a start because he felt he was due one. They do have a fairly good run of fixtures. They come, although obviously City assets are going to remain high risk. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to look at the team sheet in the Champions League and we're going to try and guess what they're going to do in the Premier League and I don't know if that often translates. Kevin De Bruyne, he's got two goals in two games. 
having only returned to start lineup in game week six. Now, I know in the week past, Gabriel picked him as his little prince, his article, so shout out to Gabe, Brennan shout. I know a lot of people, in my article, I kind of said structure-wise, I wouldn't have went for the Bruyner. It might have been a wee bit of, you know, I don't know, it might, it might not have been the, the best kind of balance ever because if we look at Lukaku, there's maybe an, there may be an argument that you could have went for the Bruyne and foregone, say, the lack of Lukaku, as we're seeing people are doing well with kind of alternate kind of premiums or kind of premium light options instead. And the game, Foden had two shots in the game, both in the box, both in on target, and he earned a fantasy sauce for Bernardo Silva because he had the shot that, that Silva then talked on. If you want to just hit the next slide for me, please. So here on the screen, this is this is we've got uh, Brian Buemo and Brentford against Chelsea. So it was one 0 to Chelsea. Goal from Ben Ben Chilwell. So it looks basically like whoever's going to play this left back is going to be getting so high up the pitch. Whether it's Alonso or Chilwell, they're going to be getting on the box. And also, neither of them really cameo that much. I don't know if Praz is still here, but Praz touched on it in his article uh, and his piece and and the Scoutcast during the week as well. So. These two boys are vying for, for a place ahead of each other. Neither of them look entirely nailed. So I think if you're going to go for Chilwell or if you're going to go for Alonso, have a sub. It seems like a lot of money for the potentially subbing out. So as long as you can take the variance that either they're going to hit or they're, they're not going to play, like just be happy with. The Kaku lasted just 76 minutes in game week eight. He carried his fourth consecutive blank in the process. Chelsea, however, have a plum run of fixtures. We've got Norwich obviously coming up next. We would like to have a bit of confidence in Lukaku going on the game week. I don't think we have. And Tuchel's comments on Lukaku weren't great. He says in his opinion, he felt Lukaku's been overplayed. He thinks he's played too many competitions over the summer. And now he's also played the Nations League. He's a good athlete. He's competitive. And he wants to be out there in one digging deep. Now, just to touch on the man in our graphic, Brian Buemo. So he had to post twice for Brentford. So we can see he had two shots in the box. Neither were on target because the woodwork's not part of the target. And as such, his XG was 0.03. His XA was 0.03 as well. So Brentford sit third overall in the fixture ticker for the next six game weeks. So like my personal recommendation for viewers is buy yourself some Brentford attack. I wouldn't be against going for Buemo and Tony Double up. So if you were looking at the last half hour of the match, they put Chelsea under severe pressure. I thought Chelsea were very lucky to get the draw between Buemo hitting the post. And also, I thought if Mendy hadn't have been an inspired form, they wouldn't have kept the clean sheet. And I also thought they were kind of lucky that Chalaba didn't give away a penalty against Tony because it was very, very marginally given offside. Yeah, no, this, this was... Um, so I had Tony, and when I saw him getting dragged down and no penalty given. I, I was in uh, outrage. I was watching this game live with everyone at the meetup and I was... I, I watched this game in the, in the house live as well and whenever I saw Tony getting dragged to the ground, I, I obviously didn't go for Tony in my wheelchair and I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, there's going to be a, there's going to be a penalty here and he's going to get up and stroke it in and he's going to maybe have 10 points. So I think the, the amount of pressure that, that, that Brentford put Chelsea on bodes well whenever you look at the fixtures going forward. And it also kind of makes you think about Chelsea in terms of their defence. I think one Chelsea defender is maybe the ideal. It's maybe optimal. I wouldn't be going down the road to a double Chelsea defence because when he shuffles a deck and he brings Shalaban and they give the guy Sarah starting defence as well, he's dropping out to like a East James. He can also kind of play a role in the back line. I don't know. I think he was asking for a bit of trouble. I think, I think Tuchel got lucky, if I'm being totally honest with you. And I think the combination of... They look a wee bit creaky in defence sometimes and also attacking-wise. They're not really hitting those big numbers in terms of goals. 
I know a lot of people came out to start a season when they signed Lukaku. A lot of outsiders were looking at Chelsea thinking they're now going to win the league. I don't feel like that. I think that Liverpool are the best attack in the league. I think Man City are the best defence. And I think those two teams combined are just a step on from everybody else. So, no, I wouldn't be back on a double Chelsea defence anyway. Yeah, I've got just the one. I've got Rudiger, who's obviously out. But um, I've seen pictures of him training, right? He's back in training. He, 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 he trained. He was in a training picture maybe yesterday morning, I think. So I've seen Heisenberg sharing it on Twitter. So, no, he would be my pick if I was going to have one. I know he doesn't exactly have all the bells and whistles of an Alonso or of a Chilwell and stuff like that. But, and I know people or some people are playing this high upside theory where they're saying, oh, well, I can play this guy and like he can drop out and maybe Buemo can come off the bench for me. But I don't know. I would prefer to just kind of know, right, if Chelsea have a plum fixture this week, I'm 90% sure maybe that Rudiger's going to start, whereas if I'm maybe 50% sure that my left-back's going to start, I don't really know if I'm going to be there. I own James at the minute, and if I'm being brutally honest, I'm going to save a transfer this week, and if James is going to give me hassle going forward, I'm just going to sell him, and I'm going to sell him for a dirt-cheap defender, and I'm going to maybe beef up the son and Fardy as kind of on my mind. Definitely son and Tony, you know, so that's, that's where my thinking is. Just to touch on another game that we don't have a slide for, but just to touch briefly. So Everton against West Ham. So West Ham won 1-0. A goal from Ogbonna, assist from a corner from Bowen, who's actually taken along nicely. So Antonio and Ben Rama, they both blanked in game week eight. They were part of this kind of initial game week one template, which is starting to creak a wee bit. So people are wondering, should they sell them? So the pair managed seven shots between them, although only one, only a single Antonio effort had the target. Um, Kufal was absent through injury for the Hammers. And it was a frustrating time for owners of, of like the Everton attackers. So you're talking about the Curry, Townsend, the Gray. They all failed to register. Now, quite pointing to Curry, he's got a broken foot. I think information came out today that he's broken both his foot. So I think check your information, but it looks as if he's going to be potentially out for a wee while. They also have, in terms of the ticker, Everton are seventeenth and West Ham are nineteenth on the hubs fixture ticker now for the next six game weeks. So in terms of fixtures, they don't have them anymore. Richardson's still injured. It sounds as if he's going to be back in the not-too-distant future. DCL, it might be a while. And I know some people were kind of interested in DCL, but he's the kind of player I would want to kind of see him back fat and fire, if you know what I mean. I would like to see him get some minutes under his belt. And the fixtures to be good. Yeah, just, just a quick one. Um, is Mubwemo not 5.5 million? Sorry, yes, 5.5. I just, I just seen it in the live chat. I think so. Oh, sorry. Someone say 5 million ish. <laughs> um, there's a couple comments as well about whether um, the fan protesters are expected for the uh, kind of United Liverpool game put me off the Salah captain. But we'll, we'll come to that later. And I think we'll know more about how much police presence there is. You, you would hope they've learned by now from like what happened in Wembley and the final of the Euros and. Yeah, you got to hope that there's some security there to stop a match being suspended. Hopefully, and you would—it's not kind of during this COVID time either. So you would you would hope that they would be able to go a bit stronger in the police. Just send the baton, set them in with the batons, and just clear them out of the road, and just make sure Salah gets on the ground. I think That's... so. As long as he arrives, because I'm happy to captain him. But if I get Lukaku, there's at least that option. But. I think the other comment is people are obviously worried about the quotes about Lukaku, but um, I think for anyone who's just tuning in a bit later now as well, um, 
we will come to the live Q&A and the Twitter submitted questions quite soon. We're trying to just get through the game reviews for now, do the transfer trends we've seen. And I think it's going to be one of our quickest shows ever. So for anyone who's tuning in like an hour late, they're going to miss most of it and they'll have to watch back on VOD. But while you're here, guys, we're only 29 subs away from 1,500 subs. So if you're new to the channel and you're enjoying it, please do hit like, subscribe, hit the little wee bell. And I thought you'd like that one, my little Irish slang, the wee bell. The wee bell. <laughs> it's the wee bell and thanks a million. So, um, yeah, help us get to the allergy costume, guys. So let's carry on with the review and we'll then come back to the live questions, guys. But, yeah, do share yeah. your scores in the chat. We're down to really the last two fixtures now. So if you just flick the next graphic now. So we've got Newcastle against Spurs. So obviously Spurs won this 3-2 against Newcastle who are now under new ownership. And the new owners didn't look exactly too happy in the stand. So we had goals from Wilson. A dire OG and Bambley, Kane and Son also getting the score sheet. Manquillo at 4 million got an assist. So did Murphy. So did Reguilon, Hoiberg and Kane. So Callum Wilson, he made an immediate impact. His return from injury headed on from Manquillo Cross. The Magpies are low down the ticker when sort of by a tackle over the next six game weeks. Um, Wilson might be one for the watch list. But I don't really know. Uh, I, I don't know if I, looking at the kind of wealth options that we potentially have an attack, if I would really go for somebody like Wilson. Harry Kane netted his first goal of the season. We flick over Darlow. Um, Kane has had his struggles to start the season, but like what we see with Kane is whenever he starts to get minutes under his belt, whenever he kind of gets a goal, he's the kind of player that's got a potential to go on a body of run. And when we're looking at their fixtures from kind of game week 12, they look particularly good. They've got a lovely block of four fixtures. And I know it's something I'm targeting for some. But I've seen a lot of people kind of talking about maybe targeting it for the double up of Kane and Son. Although, logistically, it's maybe difficult in terms of Kane's price. Also, I kind of wonder about his price point whenever like you're talking about him. How often are you going to cap him compared to, say, Salah? When Salah's in the form, what else? That's why I'm kind of at the minute advocating this kind of premium light option, if you're, or a kind of premium light option, because if Salah's going to be your dominant captain, I don't really know if you want another kind of rival 12 million option or 12.6 million option. Like, you might as well make them cheaper, because if you're going to just stick the armband and Salah every week, uh, premium players are bad value unless you're going to cap them. And the, the exception to that is basically the like a Son and the like a Vardy. So, so what do you think about people like breaking their team to get Kane in this week? Because for me, like I feel like you can wait till game week twelve and just see him get a little bit of that form and a couple more goals and under his belt and go on that little run you're talking about. Um, my worry with Kane would be right now, like you were talking about Manquillo, so he's actually matched both Lukaku and Ronaldo for attacking returns this season at four million. <laughs> at four million, right? So if we're spending twelve million on people. And we're not going to captain them. I will wait and see till game week 12 what I feel about Kane. But maybe that's what I can do or anyone who's got a wild card in their back pocket like me. We can go quite aggressively now and kind of wild card to Kane and Son later on. So that could be an option. Or you could wild card out of them. Yeah, that's the thing. So I could go into them, have them for the four weeks and then fix the team after to get the structure right. But it is quite a lot of money. But there are, you know, it's Christmas time as well, I think, around then coming up. Oh, no, that's this... Yeah, I guess, you know, game week 19 is very late for the first wildcard. Last season it was 16, so yeah. I don't quite know why there's more game weeks this year for the wildcard. Uh-huh. No, I don't, I'm, not really, I'm not really too sure myself. And I know Ben Creel was making a few points 
on Twitter where like previously he'd been talking about kind of Chelsea maybe blanking around maybe game week 17 and game week 18 but now there's chat that the World Club Cup competition is maybe going to be put back until 2022 and he seems fairly certain that that's there's there's fairly solid chat that that's what's going to happen so I know people have been talking about oh well there's now going to be these blank game weeks but it could happen that those blank game weeks don't even take place until maybe the turn of the year or something like that which gives people a lot of time to prep for them and also at that point I don't know, your wildcard could maybe be involved at that stage, you know, so no, maybe not Maybe not an option, but just to touch on Sun's numbers. So he had one shot in the box. It was on target, as it always is with Sun. He had an XG of 0.49. He created five chances with an XA of 0.26. So he made a 3-1 to Spurs before halftime from a keen assist. And no, Sun's definitely one that I'm going to target round about game week 12. And if I'm being totally honest with you, if we hadn't got the false positive, Son would have been in my wildcard team, 100%. And I'm kind of kicking myself that we got that information and that we're on this kind of Twitter bubble where we get so much information because if I was just one of these people just walking around the place with my head in the clouds, I probably would have owned some and not had that information to kind of make a decision. So just to touch on the last match, so I, I want you to take a lead in this, but like it was Arsenal 2 each with Crystal Palace. Goals by Abba and Lacazette, Benteke and Edouard. Assists for Palace were Ayu and Alise. So... You were at the match with your celebrity friends. I want you to come on here now and give me like your tech and Arsenal and Palace, really. Uh, I don't know about the celebrity friends, but the recap of the night was good. We met in the Tollington Arms for any other gooners watching who go to games and want to be up in the pub before. But I saw Lee for the second time. So um, Lee judges from AFTV and I saw Clive from Arsenal Vision, who obviously won Best Premier League Podcast at the Football Content Awards. So him and Yankee Gooner, Elliot, they've, He's come in from America. They've met for the first time after doing the show together and winning the award. Those kind of people left, right, and center. There was the Athletic Boys. There was Gunner Blog. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then obviously I met up with Lynn and Az, showed them the Emirates. They were kind of non-Arsenal fans. wanted to see the stadium for the first time. So that was good fun. But um, that's kind of where the fun ended. That's why I wanted to say the story. So that part was great, the social part. But once I got in... Um, the view was fantastic, but yeah, it, you know, we went ahead. I thought it was going to be a good game like Spurs. It looked like we were going to put the pressure on, but it seems to be that the last two games we've been very bad and we have no attacking threat. Like it's non-existent. There's just no creativity. So I'm a Ben White owner. I still think he was robbed of that assist uh, later in the game. Um, I watched it with my own eyes. Like I'm sure he shot and it looked like there was no Martinelli touch, but um, anyway, that's been tampered on the graphics. But so... What I will say is the player that I thought really let us down was so party gave away the ball then at this point once we were ahead and winning 1-0. And it was just a sloppy mistake and they scored. And then the second one again, I think this time Lokonga had come on the pitch for an injured Saka. I don't know how MacArthur didn't get a red card for the challenge on him. But, you know, when, when they look at an Arsenal player and they see the red shirt, I guess they just, they, they don't really think twice the VAR in this country. But, um, oh, well, so... Then it was 2-1, and I think that was really bad. And obviously, Lacazette came on and changed the game. So I do worry if there are any other owners. I know there's some rare ones out there, maybe. But, um, you know, he doesn't look like he kind of connects as well with Odegaard and Saka when they're all playing together. And I do think Lacazette brings the most out of and Smith-Rowe, like the kind of the youngsters around the squad. Um, so I'm not sure what we're going to see going forwards. But it's going to depend on whether we play this 4-3-3, which we started the game with, or the kind of the version with Jacques, uh, sorry, El... It's either El Nenio or Lokonga playing with party. That's the other kind of two-man pivot. So in each formation, either Pepe is sacrificed or um, Lokonga is sacrificed. And 
Saka shifts from right wing to left wing where he's not as good. So for me, seeing Saka on the left wing, seeing us playing that 4-3-3, that annoyed me. And that's what I meant by I might sell him sooner. So if there's any Smith Rowe owners out there, any Saka owners like me, I think these next few fixtures, there's still two home fixtures in the next three. I would probably keep for these, but I'll be eyeing them out as like a sun placeholder. So if I can get the money from elsewhere when I maybe downgrade Lukaku in the future after this spell, it coincides well to try and get sun in and afford that upgrade. But Ben White, I would just keep. Um, he's mm. cheap. You're going to probably have him on your bench most weeks. Um, one thing I will say is his performance for me, I've put him straight on the bench next week. So as a Ramsdale owner, I do think going back to your earlier question, you probably should be a bit worried. Like he made some incredible saves, but the team just don't look great. And um, I do wonder what's going to change for this. So yeah, I, I feel bad. You let you sell Sanchez, he got the bonus and then you brought in Ramsdale and we let you down. It was my own decision, and like I don't know, I'm just not sure. And I'll tell you what: see if I was wildcard this week, I would probably pick Raya. If I'm being totally honest with you, um, there was a bit of stuff that I looked at, and I know Gabe was saying like he didn't really think that there was much separate in kind of the three goalkeepers, like Sanchez, Ramsdale, and Raya. And they're pr- and, and truth, there wasn't really much separate in them, and that's why we're all struggling to make that decision. But I would probably lean towards Raya in terms of if I wanted upside. But like I'm looking at kind of. I suppose some of the big managers in the community and who they went with, and like the like AFPL Salah Abdul, they've just stuck with a kind of tried and tested Sanchez. So maybe it's just a position where like you don't want to be too smart with. He's four and a half million, or he started off at four and a half million. Don't be too clever. They're the best cheap defense in the league. Maybe just pack Sanchez and sit and forget. I'm 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 kicking myself a bit for taking him out of my team. If I'm being totally honest, and it was maybe like a kind of cosmetic change that I made. They kind of justify my wildcard if that makes sense because like sometimes when you're on your wildcard you kind of make a few changes because you think should I make more changes than I should make here because I'm on a wildcard so I have to be seen to be making so many changes but I could have left Sanchez and I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it but That is a shame yeah no I, I am upset for you so I guess going into the should we go into the transfer trends and then we'll go to the straight to the Twitter questions from the community and live Q&A 100% Lima we're going to be going so quick this show that hopefully people like the new format and um, they let us know how they think and we'll continue it next Monday and return to Monday evenings again. So that's actually the reason why obviously we're streaming tonight. So sorry for the delay, guys. Um, I was at the Emirates. Um, it was nice to see Vieira come home, but yeah, the pleasantness ended there. So not the did best. You see, did you see how passed off he was when you scored? <laughs> he looked absolutely stupid. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. He was just holding his hand. I thought it was fucking brilliant. He's like squatting down and yeah, it's an incredible moment. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's go into the um, so the transfer trends. Then. So this is actually some data that I get from Football Fix and it analyzes the combinations of players people are moving and who they're buying. So rather than just looking at the top five and the bottom five in terms of sales and purchases, you get to actually see what those moves are and whether you agree with what the masses are doing that game week or whether you think you've got a better idea and like you can go against the masses and gain an edge there. So I know as the week goes on, you obviously write your article too for Fantasy Football Hub, so breaking the template. And I suppose by then you know exactly how to attack this gap. So at this point in the week, this is just an initial look at the transfer trends. These will obviously change. Like other players might become most sold or most bought. But on a Tuesday, we're going to do our best to kind of give you an idea. So just going straight into it, um, at the moment, the top eight transfers is what you're seeing on screen. So for the podcast listeners, uh, the Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool, City and Everton players are being transferred in. 
and Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, City players being transferred out. So I think that in itself tells you something quite interesting. Um, Chelsea, Liverpool and City are in both the most sold and most purchased. So I feel like no one's ever content and free slots isn't enough. And we're always moving players around and doing like the Chelsea switcheroo, the, uh, you know, for the defence or the City midfielder switcheroo. Or it's always something going on. But um, in terms of the players, so Vardy, he is obviously no surprise to you. He's only blanked twice in eight weeks. He said he's got over 200,000 transfers in. Chilwell's being transferred in. It will be interesting. You know, 130,000 people have brought him in before watching to see whether him or Alonso starts in the Champions League tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting one. Um, Salah, another 100K. So, you know, some people don't have him. And, well, thanks. To, you know, if they didn't exist, our ranks would be even lower. So um, as Aspilicueta is being transferred in, Cancelo, Townsend, Lukaku and Mendy. So transfers out. Ronaldo now, 280,000 transfers out. That is a problem. Someone was asking earlier on the live chat, will he drop in price with the mass ownership? Uh, what do you think about that? Like, he's... I'm just going to get an FPL statistics up on the screen just while we're having a conversation. Yeah, just have to, a look. Yeah, just, just, just to look for people to see. He, he's, he's, he has dropped from 12.6 to 12.5 this, since the turn of the game week. Um, he's also like kind of minus 31.8%, but he's a fair way off a drop, and I think from experience, the, for, for a guy to kind of drop below his kind of starting price, it takes quite a lot of transfers. The same with Delta here is roughly three hundred and fifty thousand transfers. So whether he's going to drop below kind of twelve point five, I would I would doubt. Yeah, so you saw last week he was one of the most sold as well, right? And, yeah, um, he was still the second most popular captain after Salah. So just the sheer ownership, the bus teams, the deluded United fans who captained him and quit the game, like. Those teams are all out there and they're all going to gain an edge on us if he gets points. So I think those people won't be making transfers. Um, I saw a stat. They said 1 million teams at the moment um, are no longer playing. So it's about 10% of all FPL teams or something are inactive. No transfers in the last five weeks. I think this is kind of quite interesting when I look at these trends. It's like Rudiger has been transferred out ahead of Norwich and we know Rudiger's fat. Um, Alonso's been transferred out ahead of Norwich and as you say, we don't know who's going to line up against Malmo in the Champions League. It's going to be one of Chilwell or Alonso, and you would fancy that the other is then going to take the Norwich game. If Alonso plays against Norwich, God almighty, he could score 20 points. Like, you know, the, the way the way the left-back's getting in the box for Chelsea, it's, I think they should hold their waist a wee bit, with, with, a bit later in the week before they make their transfer. Lukaku at plus 60. Kaku, yeah, I was going to say 70k selling him before Norwich. 70k selling him and 63k buying him. So he's like, he, he he's he's in a negative delta from them transfers alone. And you're thinking, this is so there's Norwich, no rush on Ronaldo to Lukaku. I can wait till Friday and get maximum news. Like I've missed the price drop. Um, I couldn't have sold him for twelve point six anyway, Ronaldo. So no, you wouldn't. Have, you wouldn't have had any value tied up on him as such, like you know. So yeah. So I guess just going into the combinations then. So these are the top ten on the screen. And um, for any podcast listeners, I would recommend checking this on the YouTube just to see the transfer trends. It will be about a ten minute segment each week. Or alternatively, I am going to return to writing my weekly transfer trends article for the hub at some point. So I've not done it yet this season, but I am hoping to get going again. And it was great to see Fergie obviously at the award ceremony. Um, and so now on the screen, you can see there's some diagrams of the most common moves across the top 10 moves, all positions. So 15% of all moves at the moment are Ronaldo to Vardy. Um, just to put it in context of all the moves happening in the entire transfer market. And um, 5% of all moves are Ronaldo to Lukaku. So, 
that is the most common move, I think. It is surprising to see Vardy as triple as popular in terms of the combos as Lukaku. Um, Alonso to Chilwell is a very popular move. So that's also, you've seen it on the prior screen, I guess. And then, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because that seems crazy. Like 15% of all moves are Ronaldo out and we've not seen whether Ronaldo, Lukaku or Vardy, any of them play in the midweek yet. No, they're just too early. But this is this is a general trend that you see when you look at when you, you you're obviously the transfer trend man, and you're looking at this every week. And people go, always go very early with these transfers. And you know the best thing to do here, bro, is to press the when the site reloads, go to the homepage and see, and it will say like fifty people sold this guy, a hundred transferred someone, and you're thinking like the games haven't even begun yet, no, and the transfers gosh. begin. <laughs> I shared a tweet today, so like I took a picture of my green arrows and I put it up on Twitter and it was well well received. Like, you know, I'm obviously delighted they have started as well as what I have. But I made a point in the replies underneath that I feel like I've made kind of two bad decisions this year and both of them have been influenced by prices. And if I if I do and every one of us is different role individuals, we all play the game our own way. I make better decisions when I step away from price and I don't look at price. And like one of one of my decisions was the active at my wildcare based on price. And like one one factor of active at my wildcare was price. And to be honest, I could have kept my wildcare and maybe played my wildcare this week. I think I would have had the wildcare this week, but um I would have more information. If I wildcare this week, I wouldn't have went for Armstrong. I would probably have gone to try and get Son on my team as well. Like, you know, so it would have been potentially a better wildcare than it was last week as well. So look what I would say to some people is learn a bit about price changes and take a wee step back from it sometimes and don't be jumping early in the week. Like, you know, we look at the false positive for Hungman's son. Like somebody could get COVID in the week, somebody could get injured in the Champions League. It's too early. I think just on the Rudiger note as well, so Anthony Chung is saying that obviously not everyone will be aware he's back and they'll see the mm-hmm. yellow flag. So yeah. it is definitely that. Like, I remember many weeks, Antonio got suspended for that game. Yeah. He was kind of, you know, being sold the moment the game week opened. So these people kept Antonio for the game he was suspended in and then transferred him out the following that minute after deadline. And there was tens of thousands of them. He was the most transferred out for like 24 hours. And it was all because he had a flag. And um, they all sold him. And then by the end of the game week, he was actually the most transferred in player that game week ahead of the Leeds match. So it was kind of, it was crazy. Like just one flag and everyone was mass selling him despite having kept him through the suspension. Obviously, they didn't know that the flag would be removed. So these are the people we got to beat, guys. So, And the problem is we overthink every move we do so much. And then suddenly you'll notice that like someone's granddad will just like, press a button on Friday at 3 p.m. and they'll just keep getting the next right move. So I do like to focus on like what's the next move I need to make. And I think that's what I like about the transfer trends is you're looking at this week. What are the things that are problems or people think are problems and do I agree with them? And what are the things that are opportunities? And do I agree with them? And we all try. And that's why I think we always say our game week comes down to a coin flip. So it's like the same as selling Greenwood last week and getting Saka. If I'd got Foden and I could have afforded that, that's a coin flip moment. That's a big green arrow instead of a red. So I feel like we're always just one small decision in our transfers behind a coin flip. And when you take price mm-hmm. out of that, it takes away one less variable. Because if you're moving because of price, that could fuck you up later, as you say, um, as it's happened to me and many others before. Um, just to then go through these positions for the podcast listeners, I'm going to quickly rattle through. So these are the top 10. Um, so we have Alonso to Chobo, like I mentioned. There's Jota to Mubwemo is a very popular move as well. Alonso to Aspilicueta, 
um, Alonso to Cancelo, Jota to Rafinha, Ronaldo to Tony, and finally Alonso to Livramento. So those are the top moves. We're going to go to the forwards now because this just kind of gives a bit more of a clearer view of what's going on. So 50% of all forward transfers this week so far are Ronaldo to Vardy um, in comparison to just 15% being Ronaldo to Lukaku. Now, going into this week, Lukaku was obviously being brought in by the masses. He's a captaincy option. It's crazy to see that because of the four blanks, I suppose, people are just discrediting the next three games. And I think I will be getting Lukaku and I'll be nailing myself to that fence. Um, and anyone who's going for Vardy, obviously, Dre's doing well out of it so far, but we'll see how that goes. And, and then just to round it off, so Antonio and Jimenez are also being sold for Vardy. So it's not just Lukaku. Everyone's being sold for Vardy. Um, and there is one insane moment. And someone in the live chat said it. So Niels, yes, you are going crazy, Mofo, because... This says some Firmino buyers from what I'm seeing. Um, he's somehow the sixth most popular transfer of the week in the forward position. And it's people sending Ronaldo straight to Firmino. So they're not going for Vardy. They're not going for um, Lukaku. They're going straight for Firmino. And I, I would avoid that. Um, and then Ian Acho and Huang, they're also being brought in. But I do feel that based on your comment earlier, if I had Huang, I would probably be planning an exit soon rather than a purchase. Mm. So this is where the transfer market is maybe lagging behind. And someone made that point in the live chat where the Rodriguez sellers are the people lagging behind from last week. They're mm -hmm. now going to sell him when he starts. And then each week, those kind of people are lagging behind. So we're always one week ahead. And it's true because a player is only a differential for three weeks, I'd say, maybe two weeks. Because mm -hmm. the moment they score, then they're brought in the next week, even if it's not by us, not by the diehard addicts, just the casuals to see scores and points. And equally, it's going to keep happening two weeks, three weeks. Next thing you know, they're 80% EO and you got them as a shield and they're no longer giving you rank. So I think that's the other interesting thing is when are you going to jump on these? And you said you're a fixtures man, so you've stuck with that Lukaku captaincy, obviously. We'll see how it pans out this weekend and move towards the weekend. Like, you know what? I'll read my usual articles, Chris Tan's gold dust when it comes to captaincy. We'll look at the magic that that that, that uh, Marner produces and we'll see both. At the moment, it's locked on Lukaku and I kind of like where you're talking about when I look at this graphic and we're seeing people being sold, like Lukaku's even being sold, well, I'm kind of happy enough to take that on, if I'm being completely honest, before Norwich. I, can't, I don't mind the divide. And like if everybody's going to kind of start faltering towards Salah, as obviously he's playing absolutely out of his skin, but I think there is an opportunity against I think Lukaku's going to get his rest against Malmo in the Champions League, is what I think. And he might be tired, but I do think he'll play against Norwich. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah, we've got to see if he starts tomorrow for anyone watching this or listening to it on podcasts after the Tuesday night when we're live. So in the top 10 midfielders moves, it's really kind of primarily Jota being uh, sold for Mabuemo and Rafinha. There is also some Saar sales going towards Mabuemo as well. Now, personally, if I had Saar, I think the next two or three look okay. So I would probably just keep and play him. Mabuemo, um, I wouldn't really be wanting to bring him in for this next fixture. I, I think you could wait till game week 10. There is an argument for that. I believe he's playing Leicester, so you could wait one more week. Um, on the flip side, Rafinha, I think that is a good investment. So if you were going to sell Saar definitively and you didn't have Rafinha, I'd probably look there first. Um, so the most popular 10 midfielder moves, they're kind of Jota to Mobuemo, Jota to Rafinha, Saar to Mobuemo, Jota to Foden. He's obviously played today, so that would be interesting. I think he got an early sub. Jota to Townsend. I know Everton have a couple more decent games at least, but... Um, that's a nice little cheeky pick. I, I, I like that. Then we've got Ben Rama to Mubuemo, Traore to Mubuemo, Jota to Salah. 
So I wonder if that's someone who was trying to literally cover Salah with Jota and they got stung hard. Um, it's 2% of all midfielder moves. So it wasn't just someone, it was at least hundreds of them. And then Jota's his son and Jota's his De Bruyne. So it's interesting to see that in your situation, you have Foden, Hibbo. And yeah. obviously this week, people who've got Jota are going to Son and De Bruyne. So it's similar for you, isn't it? I guess you've got your Jota is your Foden. So that's your slot in your team structure. That is the slot. Like you said, I'm just in sofa score here. And I see, I see that Sterling came on the 64th minute for Foden. Um, Cancelo scored. Yeah, he, he did, but he played the whole game as well. He didn't uh, I can imagine, I can I can envisage Rocky maybe saying Cancelo's tired boys come the weekend like you know both and it will be too late as well the sad part. Well, here's here's the thing like and I did it. I, I've done kind of back to back pieces and kind of big teams in Man City and Chelsea or, or for for Hub and like a big focus of both those pieces was minutes and the thing with Cancelo was you have to accept his rest when his rest comes. Do you know what's the, you know, if it comes this weekend that says, oh, he's going to miss Brighton or whatever, that's grand. But I think you just have to hold Cancelo. And I think the upside's there. He's looked very threatening in the games he's played. And you can see that in the goal tonight in the Champions League. So it would be definitely somebody I'd be holding, like, regardless if he, if he misses out this weekend. Yeah, I think I would hold on to him and it would be an easy Livermento sub in if that happens. So yeah. I'm always looking for the opportunities. That's why we have these thicker teams. Um, so just to go on then to the defenders as, kind of, as we wrap this up. So we've got Alonso to Chilwell makes up 20% of all defender moves in the market. Um, Alonso to Aspilicueta makes up 6.5% of all moves and Alonso to Cancelo makes up another 5%. The kind of the next most popular sole player as we've seen is Rudiger. I think he's the third most sole player of the entire game week. And he's being sold to go to Chilwell. So this is all a bit of a mindfuck, isn't it? Because you've got Alonso in the sense of Chilwell. You've got Rodrigo in the sense of Chilwell. You've got Alonso in the sense of Cancelo. And then we don't know what the Chelsea lineup is yet. Like, it could be that, imagine Cancelo's rested and Alonso starts and you made that move. That would sting. And that's actually a significant portion of the moves happening. Um, I'm like you. I think in the way that you don't like to do goalkeeper transfers, I do like to avoid defender transfers where I can. I think I'm happy with the one Chelsea defender. I'm happy with owning kind of Rodrigo or Um Some people have Reese James. I think I'd like the look of him if I had him. I wouldn't be going for two, I don't think. Um, and similar to your Cancelo point, I would just accept the benching when it came. So I would have I have Cancelo, I have Rodrigo, and I think I'd just stick with those two, and that's me, because Trent is the third one. And how much more money can I possibly be putting into the defence? And I think that's where I'm fortunate, because I've not wildcarded people in the future game weeks. They'll be selling defenders to get money back out their teams, hopefully, to... Um, upgrade other positions so because the defenders are not the most exciting what i will call out is just one of the most popular transfers so number 10 is alonso to jansen so speaking of selling alonso imagine you just sold alonso for jansen or jansen incredible if alonso starts like it just shocks me every week watching these moves happening and i'm sure some are wild card but it's still crazy you would, nonetheless. Uh, you would imagine that some kind of enabler move given jansen's price i think he's 4.7 million so you would imagine maybe somebody's doing that but no i'm with, I'm with you i think lonzo's there's a fair chance he plays more it's like so and then just to round off goalkeepers because this is the cardinal sin um seven out of the ten most popular goalkeeper moves are to buy mendy two of them are to buy raya and one of them is by mccarthy so i've seen mccarthy's name like kind of being said quietly in like street corners over the last few weeks here and there in the community but it's not i hadn't realized it was taking traction but whoever started that trend i'm telling you now 
it's been copied because the ten one of the ten most popular moves is Sanchez to McCarthy, and that just blows my mind. So does the main thing because you can't buy last week's points, but you know it's especially in the goalkeeper position. Um, upgrading goalkeeper this early on in the week seems a bit strange. Um, so we will then go to the Twitter submitted questions. We want to obviously keep this to about an hour and a half, and we can get um all the questions in from the live viewers as well. So thanks for tuning in. Before we do that, I'm just going to take a moment and um, we're going to play a video about our strategic partner. So all about FPL.com. And obviously where I'm also a co-editor and it's always been free content for the community. I think there was about 70 pieces in pre-season. So do check them out. It's every format as well, UCL and other games. So we actually, in the Football Content Awards, were very proud as well. So thank you to everyone who voted for Net That Hall and all about FPL. We were very proud to come third as the best editorial site um, after Fantasy Football Hub and Scout, which are obviously both companies with full-time staff and investors. So it just felt such like an incredible Robin Hood moment. The minnows of the competition, um, Surya and the team obviously created this two years ago. And on their behalf, we're going to play the video for our strategic partnership. And um, yeah, so congrats to everyone. Thanks for voting in the FCAs. And hopefully next year, that we'll get that top three podium finish. But you know, we wouldn't be there without you and to be nominated in the first year, it means so much. Are you craving more FPL content? Then look no further than allaboutfpl.com. Head over there for weekly articles from some of the top content creators on the planet. So what are you waiting for? Head over to allaboutfpl.com, the website for all your FPL needs. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Morning. <laughs> yeah, we've missed out on the show. So, um, yeah, so thank you guys. Um, obviously, thanks for tuning in. There's obviously a lot more of you now. So we're up to 27 likes on the show. So we'd love if you could help us get to close to 50 by the end of the week when the VOD has finished. If you're watching back and you're enjoying the show, do hit like, hit subscribe. As I said, just over 20 more subscribers and we'll wear the allergy costume on the stream for Halloween. So... Let's go straight into the questions. So we've got Jaskar and Singh 32 on the screen up here. He has three different questions. One is, um, other than kind of Antonio, what other non-premium forward would you consider Hibo? And let's keep these uh, rapid fires. So we can get to the live questions. Ivan Pony. Yeah, so I think that that's the same for me. I've got him. I've kept him. You sold him a wild card. You're looking to maybe get him back. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm very happy to keep him for the coming fixtures. Um, I don't think it's too much having both. Him and Mubuemo. So number two, uh, Chelsea wing-back conundrum. Would you rather go Reese James or Ben Chilwell? Chilwell, he doesn't so ball. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm obviously on Rudiger, so I can't really comment and I'm not looking to buy a second. Um, does Laporte look like a nailed option? Um, he said, what do you read of the early subs last game? So he obviously got subbed in the Champions League tonight as well, actually, after this question was submitted, um, pre-60 minutes. So <laughs> what do we think about that? I think if he's got the game wrapped up, he's just giving boys a bit of a rest, is, is what I think about Pep Guardiola. But do I think Laporte looks like a nailed option? I think he looks I think he looks first choice with Diaz, but I don't think he's nailed. You know, if we look at the if we look at what was on the week, Diaz wasn't nailed himself. So and he, like I, my piece for fantasy football hub, like I was basically calling Diaz the most nailed thing outside of Ederson and he got rested, so like I don't think we can label Laporte as nailed. No, for sure. So we've got another friend of the show, Davindra Raj. He's got a benching headache. Um, he wants to play Mabuemo and Tony uh, in game week nine. So he wants us to pick from those two on the screen. So kind of Livramento, Trent and James. 
or Rafinha, Foden, and Antonio? That that is an interesting question because one of them has like I'd say three players that are pretty set to start and be talismanic to their team, and the other one has a rotation risk, a budget enabler, and obviously the goat of FPL, Trent himself. But what are your thoughts? I would go for the probably the bottom one, so Rafinha, Foden, Antonio, personally. No, but do you not have to pick two of the three in each? So it's always two. So what would be? So would you not start Trent and James and Foden and Rafinha? I guess he's on a bench and headache. I want to play Buemo and Tony this week. Great, do it. So which two of Lovera, James, and Trent? I would probably play Trent and James and treat Lovera as a sub. I mean, the confusing part is, is he then wildcarding potentially? Because that's why he's got these three different players across three different positions available to him as a next transfer. And then which two of Raph, Foden or Antonio? So he has to bench one of those guys. That's what I mean, yeah. So you'd probably think Antonio, but that's a bit No, you're not benching Antonio. You're not, no, you're not benching Antonio against Spurs. He just conceded... Two goals to Newcastle for God's sake! You have to, you have to play Antonio in that fact. I think Antonio is going. To, I think people are rating Antonio off a wee bit too early. I think when we look at all his data in the season, they did. He's not gone as an option. Like you know, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't had lit the fire ablaze, but he's not gone as an option yet. So I, I would play Antonio this week. I guess you'd play Foden as well. Um, but he's kind of saying in the chat, Niels, um, he's saying to bench Rafinha, I guess, because Leeds against Wolves. It is probably a derby. It could be low scoring. Um, I'm not too averse to that. I'd rather play Foden, who was subbed early and has looked quite good and has been getting returns every game for City, including Champions League. If that was my team there, I would probably bench Buemo, if I'm being totally honest with you. I, I would, yeah, I think so. I would just play one of the two this week and then double up going forward. So this is an RMT coming in from Malcolm Brown as well. So we have said going forwards on the kind of the Twitter section, it's going to be a regular section of the Compass show every Monday. We can do RMTs as well, so they they are unfortunately sometimes brutal. So if you send in teams that don't look great, you, you may be upset with the outcome. But um, he's considering Bruno to Mwemo to free up funds for Marcal to Cancelo, and then later upgrade for Nals to uh, Son. What are your thoughts on this? So obviously, Absol- like absolutely it's quite a nice team, right? Absolutely love the moves. The says yes to moves. I really do. Like you know, I'm surprised he still has Bruno. But if Bruno de Buemo Cancelo, Marcial de Cancelo, and then Fornals de Son. It could, it could go Bruno de Son, maybe. I, I think you could just go direct. Um, yeah, I would rather, rather than getting Buemo, and then you could buy Buemo whenever he's got Norwich. They've got Norwich coming up, maybe not long after. Their, their fixture this week is against Leicester, and I know Leicester have been kind of leaky defensively, but you, you could you could fast track it and go to. And go to Sun if you could. You could I still think do, so. If he could still do the Marquial de Cancelo thing, he could maybe miss a week where Cancelo maybe he's going to be based this weekend. We don't really know, but he could maybe miss out on that and then buy Cancelo after his rest. I would, I, I would consider Bruno de Sun. Yeah, I think just go direct. I think I would say the same actually on hindsight. So we've got Prakash as well, another new friend of the show. So he says, if Lukaku scores a massive two point <laughs> against Norwich, <laughs> would you be looking elsewhere? Um, he can give. <laughs> he can get see if Lukaku scores two points against Norwich he can get out of my team I don't give a shit it's, he's gone if he scores two points against Norwich I swear to God so there's, you will sell him even with the Newcastle and Burnley fixtures then 
Well, I'll change my mind coming close to the time, like you know, and I'll keep him. But well, right now, if he scores, if he scores, if he scores two points, oh, if he scores two points against Norwich, because there's still a fair chance I'm going to cap him against Norwich. And if he scores two points against Norwich, I'll not be impressed for the price point. I'll be looking, <laughs> I'll be looking to maybe jump off, you know. So, so we've got a Dick Steady here. No more great. Um, game week nine: McCarthy or Gator? McCarthy, Gator's tragic. I think yeah, I I, I would go there. So. Vardy Boys is also sending an RMT, so he's got one free transfer, no money in the bank. Use wildcard in game week five. Um, the Corey's injury means that it's quite straightforward, I guess, who he's going to be yeah. selling. And he does want Mabuemo, but he's mm-hmm. asking, should he be benching Yota for Livramento? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I agree with him on the Decore sale, and I would probably just go to Mabuemo early because he doesn't look like he has a Tony slot available anytime soon. Wait for the Champions League. What? What? What do, do, do Liverpool have? Are they? Are they played tonight? Did they? They played. Yeah, they did. They they did quite well actually. Um, I was preparing for that pod, so I was. It was two two. They were like leading at the beginning. It looked crazy, and then Jana came off the bench in the, the sixty second minute for Mane. I would probably play Jana for mentally honest with you. If I had that team. Because I would always ask, what would you be more annoyed about? Like, if Liotta gets, like, 15 points on your bench somehow and, like, Livermento gets, like, 6 to 10 points on your bench, which one would make you, like, just go crazy and, like, raise transfer the following week and just destroy your team and, like, go on till... Um, and I would then not bench the one that would do that to your mental well-being because, hmm. for me, if Liotta did really well, I'd be absolutely fuming. So it was the same this week. Obviously, it became redundant, but I played Rafinha over Livramento, even though I thought Rafinha was coming back late and he might only come off the bench for a one-pointer because I'll take 30 minutes of my attacker. And if Jota doesn't play, then you'll get Livramento anyway, right? If he gets zero minutes. So it depends. Do you believe in Jota getting points off the bench as a Liverpool player? And I do. And if I had him at this point, I would go for it. I think it's a nice problem to have because like, like people people bought on the Livramento would say for million and they're thinking, no... Has he got the ability to be a starter in my team? Which is it's a good problem to have, but like mentally in my head, I still see Livermento as very much a sub for me. If he's a good first sub for me, all the better. But in that position, I'm going with Jaron, I'm going with the XG, and I'm going with how bad United have been recently. And I would I would just let Jaron lose. Yeah, I think just on this note, people talk about in the chat. Yeah, so I have heard as well that Calvert Lewin is out for quite a while. It sounds like quite a long term injury. Right. Um, we were talking about maybe he could be like an Antonio replacement at that price point, but I think that's a definite no-go for the time being. Mm-hmm. So we've got another friend of the show, FPL Sonaldo. Obviously, it's a good time to mention he is coming out in two weeks to join Mariner on the matchup show. So he'll be here to fill in for Gabe when Gabe's away one of the weeks. Um, but yeah, so, you know, king of spaces, Sonaldo himself, the enablers show with FPL Bruno. Um, do check them out on Twitter if you haven't. So he has four questions, but we'll, we'll go through these rapid. We'll alternate. So... What do you do with Antonio? He sold him, but what's your advice for just people who still have him? Hold for now. Yep. Um, I'll let you go for the second one then. We'll alternate. Can we wait another week on Son? He bought him at 10 million, game week seven, and lost him on the wildcard due to the rumours. I think he probably could, but if I'm being totally honest, I think there's going to be goals against West Ham. I think the game, West Ham haven't been tight defensively. You know, so I think there's maybe goals in the game, but I do think at the same, I'm waiting on him personally because my team structure is probably similar to Sonaldo's and the fact that we maybe need to make two transfers to get some. So I think you'd be fine to win. Sounds good. Um, so 
Chilwell versus Reese, and should Reese owners chilly out? I wouldn't go sideways. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go Reese to Chilwell because it could be Reese's turn to come back in against Norwich, and I know. Marner does a data, and I know Gabe does a tactical stuff, and these boys are going to touch on it later in the week. But I think Lukaku has really missed James playing it right back because I think he's delivery tabs of crosses is second to none. And I think they need to get him the service. I think through the midfield, Chelsea don't create enough chances because Tuchel is one of these coaches that likes like a, like a tight structure and he doesn't give kind of creative players the freedom. I know they've also been missing mountain stuff like that as well. He doesn't seem to trust a like a Ziyech and stuff like that. They go on and create a wee bit of off-the-cuff stuff. So I think it could be Reese's turn against Norwich. I, I, I really that. like Reese. Yeah, I really like Reese. Um, what are your thoughts about the comment today as well about maybe like abandoning the free at the back in some games and having an extra player in the team? Um, some people have told me that they thought the downfall recently for Chelsea in their play style has been since they shifted to free midfielders as well. So there's a lot of kind of stuff going on. And I do worry if with that lack of service for Lukaku, will someone like a Ziyech suddenly show up and will one of the defenders drop out for that? It's possible. It's not great for rotation for us as fantasy managers. It means now there's multiple formations of oh. rotation possible. Damn, yeah. So, right. Brentford double up, go or no? I say yes for me. I'm moving towards it very quickly by selling Ben Rama to Mabuemo. I say yes. I see people talking about the defence and and that, I'm assuming, would be a trouble up for people. At the minute, that wouldn't really be for me because I'm looking at the teams that are out there and... You know, Lovermento's a lock. You've got the likes of Trent, Cancelo, Diaz, a Chelsea defender. Maybe even a Brighton kind of follower. You know, if you're going to have a Brighton, Brighton, sorry, Brentford defender, they're going to be a budget defender. They probably, probably isn't going to play too often. So I, I would I would stick to Buemo and Tony, I think. Yeah, I think so. So we've got Gareth as well. FPL Gareth sent in a couple of three, four questions. So... Four holders who have used wildcard already. I would hold. Oh no, so I see what this is. So he's giving his response to the last questions we just also went through. So I'd be interested to know what he thought because what to do with Antonio? He said for holders who have already wildcarded, you should hold. If you're wildcarding soon, you could replace him. So that is an option. I guess you could sell Antonio in a few weeks if he still continues to not look great. I think there will be a mass exit and. I do want to maybe get out with the money if I think it's going to drop considerably and I can buy back in future for similar to the sell price that I'll get now. So I agree with that, I guess. Um, he's not desperate for Sun till game week 11. He says Chilwell. So it's interesting because we've both gone Reese James. So I think FPL Gareth will be tagging you after next weekend. We'll see what happens between Chilwell um, and Reese James. It's going to be interesting to see who wins the coin flip. See, Gareth, get him off the screen. See you. <laughs> <laughs> so who this three five who so he's saying who would you sell for Rafinha this week Jara or Greenwood I would say Greenwood straight up yeah yeah I think so um, and I think Firmino just started two games in a row he, him starting this weekend it will be three in a week coming back from injury recently um, it's a hamstring injury I, I think it can reoccur quite easily if he's not careful as well and it sounded quite bad because he had a history about them when we spoke to Ben Dinnery I remember. So the the thing is for me, Greenwood, I feel like if you've kept him, like you did great because you did better than all of us and you got the points last week. I think I would see that as like a parting gift and I would just get out and move on because Rafinha is a great option for the medium term. It's, everyone says he's undervalued, so I won't go through that tragic uh, cliche. But yeah, I think I would go that way. And 
with Rashford's return, it's not looking great. Um, so Adam as well, actually, he's a gooner and he's, he's a, I think he's, you know, someone who I have watched in the community for a while and he's a really famous gooner, actually. So his analysis is really great. And anyone who doesn't follow him, I would say, if you're on podcast, look for Free Five Who, as uh, Hibo has said. So we've got the last question now from Twitter and we'll go to the live chat. So guys, do start thinking about your questions. Um, any moves you're thinking about contemplating this week or burning questions you have, start to get them in the chat while we go for this last Twitter question. So this is from FPL Volatility and he's basically saying, look, Leeds look awful. As Rafinha still a must-have. I think Leeds look awful without Rafinha. Um, when we see Rafinha, he looks amazing. When he was in international duty with Brazil, he looks amazing. I think Leeds may be going through a wee bit of second season syndrome. I don't think they're going to have the heights of what they did last year. I think it's probably going to be Rafinha's last year at Leeds. I think he's going to move the Champions League, maybe level club next. Um, at his price, he's a must-have for me still. Six and a half million. Sometimes there's a lot of kind of lively looking stuff without the production, but there's always a threat of a kind of big hallway Rafinha, and I, I wouldn't want them to miss out on it. So I would say at the price, I would keep him. How do you feel? Yeah, I, I've just recently come on board and he's basically not played football while I've owned him for a while. So I'm keeping, he's going nowhere in my team. Like that slot's not even being considered for sale. And that's at least for like, I'd say five weeks plus. So all my moves I'm contemplating are in other positions at the moment. Um, I really like the look of him, as you say, just he looks incredible. And I think he's the kind of player that does well with fans. So I think as they start mm -hmm. to play some more games at home, hopefully, we will start to see some uh, improvement and Rafinha's return to the team will be great. I don't know if Bamford's going to be back soon. That should also hopefully help because it didn't help when Rafinha was playing and he was targeting a no striker, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you've had a team of leads that looks bad as the tw uh, Twitter question says, but there's been no Rafinha, no Bamford. Half the defence has been out injured. Like, I think the fixtures, I'm going to play those fixtures. If people are getting Lukaku after four blanks to captain him, then I can't understand how it's even a debate that Rafinha at 6.5 wouldn't be worth having. 100%. Tend to agree. So, yeah, let's go to the live questions. Just in time, we've got a uh, Mariner has arrived. Just in time to get his question in. Very convenient. Nice to see you, buddy. <laughs> we've, we get requests for the tumbleweed as Tom Stevenson arrives, but I think we'll do that in a future episode when he rejoins us, hopefully. Um, for... Now, I need to compete with him in the scout tournament, so it's perfect timing. Two weeks in a row now, we've won, so the nameless ones. We're competing with the team that Tom is the MVP of this week, so right. good luck, buddy. May the best team win. I know you're also in the community tournament here, though, right? Yeah, we've won the first two. I was playing late raiser in a head-to-head this week, and I lost by a point. Um, and we were put together, and I think there's like a goalkeeper stroke kind of striker, striker structure, and we played directly against each other, so no, we have two ones from two. I'm kind of happy. It's a good tournament. It's been nice to be involved in it. It is. So Tom says for the podcast listeners, Nima, we're going to smash you this weekend. Um, so that's <laughs> a bit of fun. We're going to do this. Let's go, guys. Um, not everyone can have an invincible season. And so far, it sounds like there's quite a few teams who've gone undefeated yet. Shout out to our friend FPL Mahir on their 6-0 loss in the first game week. Um, I will milk that for another week, as you requested. So... Okay, let's go to the first question. We had a few that I'm just going to go scroll back to. So I've been asked, should we start Saka or Livramento? So I'm in the same dilemma. I have both. I will probably see what I'm looking at towards the end of the game week, Anthony. Um, at the moment, I'm starting Saka first. Um, 
if I had reason to believe Saka was like not back from his knock and he might get minutes off the bench or not play, that would be an easy option to start Livermento. But Livermento could also end up coming on for Cancelo for me if Cancelo doesn't play. So I just feel like there's rotation everywhere I look and hopefully these deep benches will come in handy. I would agree with that. Saka start, Livermento for sober, whatever seems reasonable. Let's alternate then. So I'll give you this one. One and a half million in the bank. Tranquility, Tillman's good move. I would probably buy Buemo if I'm being totally honest if you don't have him. Yeah. Tillman's, I, so. I don't really think for me. Like, you know. He's great in other formats like Sky, where he's getting the points for that ball recoveries and passing and, you know, um, tracking back. So it's not really that time now, I don't think, for me and FPL to be going for Tillman's as great as his goal was. So uh, Ramanathan has. Two free transfers. He has Kufal, Treore, Greenwood, and Ronaldo. And wants to get rid of all four of them. So what would you do? Would you take a minus eight? Should we encourage our dear friend to take a minus eight? He has Kufal, Treore, Greenwood, and CR7. I wouldn't take a minus eight, no. No, but would well, you sell I, which two? Well, it depends who you can play instead of Kufal. Do you know, does he does he have playing defenders apart from Kufal that can take their place? I would probably maybe look to move the United boys on if I'm being totally honest with you. I'm imagining if he has CR7, he doesn't have Lukiagi. And I'm imagining if he has Greenwood, he maybe doesn't have somebody like Son. So that could be an avenue to go down there. No, I think, yeah, I would be getting... Traority, I would be looking Traority Buemo as well. Traority is terrible. Yeah, but I think I could do that the following week if I was Ramonathan instead of this week um, and prioritise moving money around with Ronaldo and Greenwood. I think a maximum I would do there is maybe a minus four and deal with maybe Traore, Greenwood and CR7. If he really thought he, if he really thought his team was looking really strong out and see if he can play somebody else instead of Kufal, a minus four maybe gets him back and they looking close to a wildcard team, I would do it. So actually the other question from Sam, just a follow-up question where we said that Tiedemans wasn't great and we would look at Mobuemo, he says he does have a 7.4 million budget if that changes anything. But I think I would still be going for Mobuemo and Rafinha as my two midfielders alongside Salah. Um, I think I so. Have a, I have a fifth mid who's the bench player, so that's kind of one of my slots already taken as well. And Saka's the final slot I have now, which I'm hoping to turn into Sun eventually. So Sanka has a question about AFCON and Club World Cup and if it's worth saving the World Cup or Game Week 20. Um... I don't think so. I don't think it's worth keeping it that long. I think game week 12, game week 14, those swings, they're great times to do it. Personally, I think I'm eyeing up Jota for AFCON. So it is only two weeks that might be missed. I think it's around game week 22 to 24. And game week 24, as AFCON ends, is exactly when this uh, proposed Club World Cup date would be. So the Chelsea blanks as well and doubles. So it's an interesting time. And I think if you work on a game week 20, you might not know everything yet. Like you might not know what the blanks are going to be, which teams in AFCON are going to go furthest. Will those players just miss one Premier League match or they miss two Premier League matches, depending on how far their team goes in AFCON. So if you work on a game week 20, I think you'll have so many fires by the time that swing comes that it's not worth holding the mark just for that. It's, I think everyone else could be in the same situation. You're going to be able to navigate with free transfers or a hit or two and get to that team you need. I would think about where he's at now. 
I'll be interested to know where he's sitting now. And like, you know, I wouldn't be kind of trying to look so far down the track to look at my team and what's potentially going to happen with AFCON and stuff like that. If my team wasn't kind of performing now in the here and now, I would, I would definitely change it up. So I would be interested in that. The best pint of Guinness, where can it be bought? In Derry, Pat O'Donnell's. It's a bar. It's like an Irish theme. Like you would go on and you would hear people playing Dudley D and Fuddles and stuff like that. So it's... It's it's the it's the it's the best, it's the nicest, and it's probably the most authentic as well. So Pat O'Donnell's will say shout out. And if they want to send me a pint of Guinness to house, so I'll accept. Definitely, Steve. Good to see Steve's all FPL fair. Lovely pint of Guinness. Yeah. So Neil says bench Ben Rama, Mabuemo, or Saw. Currently it's Ben Rama. I, I I would probably be benching Ben Rama in this situation myself. Or would you play him Tough against Tottenham and bench Saar um, against Everton? Mm, Everton don't have so. Calvert-Lewin. Everton don't have Calvert-Lewin, which will affect him in attack. They're not going to have the curry because he's broken up on his foot. So, uh, it's a tight one. I think if you had Ben Rama and Antonio, you could hedge and you could maybe bench Ben Rama, but I don't like it, if I'm being honest. Good question. Um so we also have, um, or oh, Ramanev said he does have Hoover and Sissoko on bench. So no playing defence. So maybe Kufal and Ronaldo out, something like that, because the money freed up from Ronaldo to like a Lukaku or a Vardy, that's going to fund an upgrade on Kufal to someone. Probably Kufal, Kufal must out. He must out in the last match too. So maybe with the news as we get further on on the week to see if he's going to be back. If he's going to be back and you don't have playing subs, you, you're maybe going to want to address that. As a Jones bloke as well asked about James. He got him on wild card. Um, what are your thoughts? Is it too much for risk to keep him? I'm in the exact same position. I bought him. It wasn't ideal that he missed out. It's not ideal that he's cameoing. I knew all this information before I bought him, and this is like a trigger up kind of scenario. I still fucking bought him anyway. But I think we've got Norwich. We give him Norwich. If he's still giving us hassle, I think we have to move him on. And that's why I'm sitting this week and I'm going to save a transfer. I'm going to wait and see what happens with James. And he's potentially going to be a cash cow in defence that I'm going to drop down to somebody around the 4.5 or the 4.4 and white. There's somebody like that. They beef up elsewhere in my team. So give them Norwich and we'll see. By the way, we have a question from Mariner that was hidden for review in the moderation on YouTube. What is And I only just found it. And he basically asked, has he made a massive, has he made a monumental cock up with Ramsdale? As a fellow Ramsdale owner, what do you think? Who's made the cock up? Me or Mar- Mariner himself? I think he's brought in Ramsdale. I I kind of feel as if I've made a cock up myself. I I don't feel good about owning Ramsdale, and like I know we've touched on it earlier in the stream, but I don't know. It's one of those where if he puts on a bad performance, could like Leno just be lurking in the background? And I've been DMing a guy Libero this week about that, and he seems to kind of feel something somewhere. So I think the safest option of four point five is. Sanchez definitely he's not sexy like he's far from fucking sexy he either gets two points or six points but does I he love need how to be... the Mariner who just sold Sanchez he was obviously asleep and missed the earlier segment where we spoke a lot about Sanchez so I'm sure when he watches back the board he'll catch that bit do you know what I think the whole problem with the goalkeeper position is this year Martinez has fucked us up because we were so spoilt last year where we basically got a 4.5 mil goalkeeper that performed like a premium forward and now this year like we all want like that oh where, where where's this guy that's going to do the same thing and none of them are going to do the same thing i think that's a given now and when you're looking at reyes ramsdale sanchez 
we should maybe just be back in the XG conceded and stuff like that and saying, well, you know what, we're just going to pick the best thing and we're going to pick Sanchez. Yeah, I think I agree. And I think I've said recently on the show that like there'll probably be 10 to 20 points over the next 20 weeks between all these goalkeepers. And it just feels like such a lot of energy being used to make that decision. And I think once you've wildcarded, you're unlikely to change till game week 35. Um, so we've got a question from uh, Hordafi. No, Hordafi. Hordafi. You've got to tell us how to pronounce it, man. Um, so when do you know it's time to get Michael Elise in? Um, so for me, I guess my first answer would be when he at least gets one start. So he's had 19 minutes, 37 minutes, zero minutes, eight minutes, four minutes. And that's since game week four and he's not played before that. So he's a great player. I've seen incredible numbers from last season in the championship. And I think he does look good. And with Eze still out, there is a spot for him in the team. And it's a new young and direct Crystal Palace. Like it's not like Crystal Palace of last year even. It's changed considerably. And I'm kind of seeing them in Vieira and stuff. I really like him. Um, he's got obviously a golden assist in his last two games. He only costs 5.4 million, I think. So he is a good asset to keep an eye out on. But I would be going for like Mobuemo, who has hit the woodwork six times at the same price point right now. And, you know, his team, Brentford, have been playing together a long time. And Elise is entering a team that he's not even a guaranteed starter in yet. And they're not as good as Brentford in terms of like squad harmony, having played together for a period of a long time. Fair so yeah, point. that would be my thoughts on him. But I do like him. I do like him. So okay, we've got thank you, Mike. Um, trying to help get the allergy outfit out. We have also been sent um Holter and Kyle for the bench, sell Gray from a Buemo instead, and leave Tiedemans alone. Um, what what do you think? So I don't know I'd if I would I'd sell Gray I'd this I'd week, I'd but you could. His EO is I'd sell Tranquil. Yeah, over Gray. I would like I would right. just go straight to Mobuemo to be honest. Yeah. I mean that I didn't feel right selling Gray when there's like Trincao still there. Um Gray's still doing a bit of stuff in terms of production and you're looking at that Everton fixture and they've got Watford this week. Like that's I definitely wouldn't be selling Gray before that. No way. No, no way. Um and he looks great for them and he's taken up a lot of responsibility in the kind of taking the game by the scruff of the neck with the rest of the senior strikers out. So Sankar asks, what about Redmond on a punt now as a move just until game week 12 wildcard? Does that worry you with the four strikers you were talking about at Southampton? Well, I, like, I know, there's, I know that there's other questions we're going to touch on about Southampton, but as Redmond nailed, like, you know, they seem to have a range of kind of options. They're packing that attack at the minute. And if it's not Che Adams, it's Bruja. And if it's not Bruja, it's Adam Armstrong. And I, I think you're maybe buying yourself a hassle rather than, like, if you're going to punt on somebody until the game week 12 wildcard, it should be somebody that's maybe going to boost you up the rankings a wee bit. Is, is Redmond going to do that for you? I, I think there's better punts. Sounds good. And um, we're going to last two questions in before we go for the night, guys. So, Alan asks, what do you think about Armstrong? Um, obviously, you've got tempting fixtures. He asked, do they build the game around him? So, if you've not been watching so far, Alan, like, do go back there as a Southampton review. I think Hibbo got Armstrong for Tony on his wild card, and he's already thinking of an exit plan himself. So I know you're looking at as an option of coming in as a buyer. I think it's a straight avoid based on the earlier conversation. Mm-hmm. Fair. So rubber ducky. Should we do whatever it takes to get Sun and Vardy in? So that would be your this. premium light. I love this question, and I, and I completely love where like Peter's going here because... I do think, and we, we've touched on it earlier in the show, that like if Sal's going to be like a premium that you're just going to stick the armband on every week, these kind of rival premiums and around 12, 5.5 or 12, 
they maybe just represent bad value, whereas a lick of Vardy at like 10.5 or 10.6 and some at 10.1, they can still represent good good value because they can match these better premiums for points. So whenever I've been playing about with my team this week, because I know like we, we kind of tick players out and put players in, you know, as when we're looking at our side during the week. And one thing I've been looking at is I kind of three me light where I have Salah, Son, Vardy, I maybe drop out James to somebody in around kind of 4.4 range or something like that in defence. And I do like it a lot. So Matt Mariner seems to keep getting uh, stuck in the review. Like his comments keep getting hidden. Oh no, there's a smash that subscribe button, people. Thank you, Niels. And I don't know why the force is picking up so many things today. It normally doesn't, but um I've clicked through. Um so I've also been asked, is the show, is the rumor true that we're officially changing the name of the show to Net the Hall? Is this true? What? Net the Hall? Yeah, is this true? It's net that hole. Why do why does everybody why does everybody keep saying net the hole? I don't know where they got that from, right? Even uh, I think is it um the Singapore show that they did as well, Fox Sports Asia, I think that one they said net the hole as well. Not for fuck's sake. Boys, get Ronaldo and No, get your facts right, boys. Like it's fairly clear in the top right corner it's net that hole. So like we need we need to kind of set the record straight here. I think we need we need to, we need to get Marner on for like a really good run. Yeah, we need to get him back. And if anyone missed it, I think in the last show or matchups there was a rant, and he's on tomorrow. I think it is, isn't it? At about four PM. So they are another run. I didn't realize we were running so close together, but I, I also didn't realize it was a Friday deadline too until I saw when the show was scheduled. He's asking as a double up dead. I think it's pretty close to being dead. To be honest with you, like it's people are turning on Antonio at this stage and. I don't know. I don't think Antonio was there as an option, but I think Ben Rama, if you don't have the like a Buemo, you could be going there. I'm, I'm really hot in Buemo and I'm really hot in Tony, if I'm being totally honest. I think so. Um, I think I've just realised, I don't know why Mariner's own account isn't a moderator, so he can then just click show on his own comments, but um, mm. we'll make him a moderator in the future. Otherwise, before he knows it, he's going to wake up and suddenly we're all going to be singing about Net the Hall. So, Guys, it is net that hall. Thank you for voting in the FCAs and obviously helping us get to the finalists. We're very proud. We are going to call it a night here, I think. Um, it's 1 hour 41. Keep it a bit shorter than usual so people can catch up before Mariner and Lens go live at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So good luck catching up. This is the closest gap we've had, as you say, between the two shows. But it's been a pleasure. I don't know if there's anything you want to say to the viewers. Um, it's been great kind of chatting to them all night in the live chat today. They've kept us company. Hit the like button, boys, before you go. If anybody, if anybody's on the on the live chat at the minute and they have, haven't hit the like button, have a long hard look at yourself in the mirror and then hit the like button. If you can, if you made it all the way to one hour forty one, in um, yeah, we appreciate the support. So catch the show tomorrow. Obviously, there'll be the matchup show. There'll be the captaincy algorithm as well. So we'll get to know what everyone's thinking. And there's also the Champions League games to go right. So. Guys, have fun. It's been a pleasure. I will catch you guys at the end of the game week and I'll be going to the Arsenal Villa game. So I'll be reporting live for all the fellow Saka and White owners <laughs> and Ramsdale owners who have joined my Arsenal family. Thank you, guys. Take care and enjoy the week. <laughs>